Hello, Lakers! Welcome to a splash of murder. I'm Heather, and I'll be your guide today on a lake with some eerie history. We're not here for the views of the water. We're here for what lies beneath. So strap on your life jackets and get ready to climb aboard. A holding pond is often a man-made detention basin and used as a preventative tool to protect against flooding. Such a pond can be found by Black Dog Road just south of the Minnesota River. It is a known spot for flathead fishing, and locals have claimed to have caught plenty of carp from its shoreline. However, the pond is possibly better known for the unsavory activities and groups it attracts. The area has been described as driving through a Stephen King novel a simple Google search will show you that the fatalities in the area are not uncommon. Passerbys have spotted bodies along the shoreline, and police have removed a body from the parking lot while fishermen watch from the water. And in April of 2018, another body would be found encased in 500 pounds of ice. Long before the highways and power plants, Burnsville was known as Black Dog Village, in 1750, it belonged to the Black Dog's people, who were a band of the Sioux, also known as the Dakota Indians. The people here utilized the land, having plenty of water, fish, and fowl in the area. In 1837, the government hired Lewis Martin to teach farming at Chief Wamdatonka's Black Dog Village. The village moved to Martin's farm, close to 200 people. They remained there until 1856 when they moved to the reservation in Morton, Minnesota. By 1857, the land had all but been relinquished to the government, treaties being signed over the years, taking more and more until it was gone, for 12 cents an acre. The land that once belonged to the Black Dog's people may have now been inhabited by Irish Roman Catholic and European settlers but the ground still held a piece of the Black Dog people. Their rich history, buried in the dirt along the rivers and hillsides, would also be taken over. The first recorded excavation of a Black Dog Cemetery took place in 1943 when Lloyd Wilford, an archaeologist from the University of Minnesota, excavated a site disturbed by molding sand pits. It was here that four historic Dakota burials in rough wooden coffins were found. Also found with the burials were a variety of metal trade artifacts, glass and shell beads, and a pipestone pipe. Throughout the years, more burial sites have been disturbed and destroyed, as housing developments, highways, and commercial sites have been built. Possibly, over 100 bodies have been unearthed, some items found now housed in museums, some being reburied on the Morton Reservation. In North America, legends of haunted places often claim they have been built on Indian burial ground. Indigenous burial ground urban legends are so widely shared, they've become a part of today's culture. Movies like Amityville Horror, A 
and books written by authors such as Stephen King depict the inevitably horrific consequences of disturbing these sacred grounds. After reading the tragedies that have happened in the surrounding areas of what once was the Black Dog Village, maybe the land is still angry. I'm not sure if cursed is appropriate, but certainly the amount of unfortunate deaths and violence that happen in the area is unsettling. Adding to the list of tragic endings was a body frozen in ice. In April of 2018, a fisherman came across a horrific sight while ice fishing on the lake. He realized immediately it was a body and called police. The Dakota County Sheriff's Department took over and cut the ice around the body. A block of ice was lifted and brought to the medical examiners. Then, they waited. Not only did the ice need to melt, but the body itself needed to thaw before any information could be taken from the medical examiner's office. What they did know was that the body had spent some time in the water, partially skeletal and very decomposed at the time it was found. The body was wrapped in a blanket, and it still wore a bathrobe, this in itself was enough to be considered suspicious. Police set about looking through missing persons reports from the area, knowing that the body could have been in the pond for several months. They hoped that a report could lead them to a possible identification. When the body had thawed, an autopsy was performed. The body was determined to belong to a woman. She had been beaten badly, and she had severe trauma and broken bones in her face particularly around her eye socket. Blood had also been found on the robe the woman was wearing, along with two electrical cords wrapped around her legs. However, cause of death was undetermined. The water and decomposition had prevented a definitive cause, however, it was indeed a homicide. In February of 2018, two men went to the Burnsville Police Department to report their friend missing. They had not seen or heard from Elizabeth Victoria Perold for some time. Estimating since the beginning of November, Elizabeth was struggling with alcohol addiction. She was in bad shape when she was last seen and was described as weighing less than 100 pounds. She was 41 years old and was living in an apartment in Burnsville. She was a mother of three, whom did not reside with her at the time of her disappearance. According to her friends, they were told she had gone into a rehab. Two women had picked her up and taken her. However, no one ever heard from her, nor did they know the women who picked her up. After she left in November, and with no word from her since, her parents in December asked police to do a welfare check at her apartment. The police found it empty. All of Elizabeth's belongings were gone. Only a few pieces of furniture remained. This caused friends and family to become incredibly concerned. It wasn't just the disappearance. The story itself was strange. She just picked up and went to rehab, with no phone calls, no visits, no anything. And why did two strange women pick her up in the first place? It came down to the source of the story. Elizabeth had her then-boyfriend living with her at the time of her disappearance. He was the one who told everyone she was at a rehab facility. 40-year-old Uria D. Schultz wasn't only telling this strange story, but also was acting strange. He showed up at Elizabeth's friend's house crying and going on and on about how much he missed her. Odd behavior, 
since she was supposedly getting help for alcoholism and would eventually return. Curiously as well, Elizabeth's EBT card was continuously used throughout the month of November in Burnsville, even though she was in rehab. When police reached out to Schultz, he denied any harm towards Elizabeth. In fact, he said it was a guy named Troy using her benefits card, not him. Additionally, her debit card was used which again, according to Schultz, was that guy Troy. He didn't know the ladies who picked her up, and he was equally as worried. I guess police didn't buy it because they did a check of his truck where they found blood. Again, Schultz could explain that. He had picked Elizabeth up from the hospital, and when he put her stuff in the truck, that's when the blood must have gotten there. Police didn't stop there. They went back to her apartment, and this time, they did a thorough search where they found blood on the carpet. After ripping up the carpet, a large stain of blood resembling the shape of a body was found on the subflooring. When police questioned Schultz about the blood and all of Elizabeth's belongings disappearing from the apartment, Schultz said that he hadn't been there since November. The Wi-Fi connections to his phone proved otherwise. Also, witnesses came forward reporting seeing Schultz removing items and furniture from Elizabeth's apartment. As for the stain, he said that's not blood. Elizabeth was always spilling things, and she had spilled wine all over the carpet. Again, DNA proved otherwise. Elizabeth's body did not have blood when it was taken to the medical examiner's office. She was too far decomposed and left in the ailments for far too long. However, by using samples from her mother, police could verify that this was a strong enough match to say the blood belonged to Elizabeth. Shockingly, Schultz stopped talking. He cut off communication once he realized he wasn't believable. Another witness came forward and reported hearing a loud boom, so loud it shook her lights the second or third week of October. She added that she never saw Elizabeth after that, and a couple of days after that incident, she saw Schultz carrying bags out of the apartment. In September of 2018, Uria Schultz was arrested and held on the charge of second-degree murder. Schultz at first denied any involvement in Elizabeth's disappearance and death. Ultimately, though, he pleaded guilty in court on May 9, 2018. Schultz admitted he and Elizabeth had fought, that he blacked out and found her body when he was awake. He then wrapped her body in a blanket and brought it to the area where it was found near the Minnesota River. How he killed her, why he killed her, why he brought her body to a pond, so many questions left unanswered. Because Schultz is a coward. He claims to not remember due to him blacking out. However, he lied continuously throughout the investigation. So, do I believe him? No. Maybe Elizabeth's family don't need the details. Maybe just knowing she was found and who was responsible is enough. But if they do have questions, I hope that he can one day give them the true explanation of what happened to her. Schultz has been sentenced to the statutory maximum of 15 years in prison. He deserves worse, but I'm glad someone is answering for Elizabeth's death. She had struggles, demons that she fought hard. She cared for others, which is obvious from reading memorials from the St. Paul Recovery Community. 
she was loved by many. Every picture of Elizabeth, she has a huge, beautiful smile, and I hope that is how her friends and family remember her. If you or someone you know have been struggling with addiction or struggling with mental illness, there are ways to get help. Please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357. This call is free, confidential, and available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Okay, Lakers, it's time to dock. Next week, join me on another creepy adventure on a murderous lake. But until then, stay safe and be kind to one another.